Welcome to a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Min, joined as always by co-host, producer to the stars, a man who wears many hats, Chris Brito. We're discussing our takeaways from the first three weeks of the NBA season. Who is better than we expected? Who's in a little bit of trouble? A new segment called The Panic Scale coming up. But first, Chris, how are you? Hey, buddy. You know, our Knicks have gone to a nice start, five and three right now. We're around 10% of the season. And, you know, there are a lot of promising signs. Let's start with RJ Barrett, who's been killing it offensively, playing much better defensively. And, you know, after these, after this first set of, of, of games, how do you feel about the team right now? Yeah, you know what, Chris? I surprisingly feel good. I think this is a team that offensive, what? yeah, right? Like offensively, they're a lot better than we thought. And defensively, they've been worse than we thought. And I'm in the belief that we, we talked about this before the show, that Tom Thibodeau can get these guys to be better defensively as the year goes on. He did it last year. He, I think he could do it again this year. You could teach guys how to be defensive-minded players who can just kind of stay in front of people. I'm not saying they're going to be a top three defense in the league like they were last year, but I think they could be above average. Whereas offensively, he can't really teach guys how to make shots. Guys have made shots this year. Barrett's been killing it. That's been super encouraging. And I'm in the belief that, you know, if the offense can take, you know, continue this, I think you'll even get more out of Randall, you know, efficiency-wise that this team is in a pretty decent spot to kind of cruise their way to minimum playing game. The thing with RJ that has been so encouraging has been the way he's been shooting the ball, right? He's been killing it from three pointer and from the three point range and like really um, carrying the team in, in spurts. Now multiple games we saw with the Pelicans, we saw with the Pacers um, and the Raptors as well. And to see this side of RJ is probably like if nothing else, if nothing else in this season goes right, but RJ takes a step up, I think that's a a signal that we're on the right track. You know, I because the East is much improved from top to bottom, and RJ I think is the RJ and potentially Randall are the true cornerstones of this franchise at the moment, and if RJ you know, some people were saying, even our buddy Sebs keeps loves telling us that he's on the Jimmy Butler trajectory. I think that's as good as we have hoped for in terms of his potential. You know, yeah, it's, it's just super encouraging, especially considering how upset we all were when the Knicks did not get that number one pick, did not get Zion Williamson. We'll get to New Orleans and Zion in a couple of minutes, but Chris Barrett's been great. He's been guarding the best player in every team. I think he's, you know, he's scoring, you know, 20 plus a night. He had 35 the other night in New Orleans. It's just super encouraging because, you know, your 21-year-old emerging star is is here and he's going to be here for a long time. You know, they can give him the big extension this summer. They can wait a summer. Either way, they're they're in a good position with RJ Barrett. Just don't trade him. Yeah. He's so I think right now he's my one untouchable even if it's for Dame. <laughs> I can't believe You're I'm not saying getting that. Dame without him. For sure. Like you, you're not. Then I don't, then so, I don't want game. Sorry. All right. That's Sorry. a topic for another day as well. Chris, <laughs> let's get to a new segment I'm very excited about. I'm calling it the panic scale. And we're going to take a bunch of teams that have kind of struggled to start the season 
and we're going to give them a, a rating, one to 10. One means you're not concerned, move on. 10 means pull every fire alarm. It's time to, uh, it's time to start screaming and running around in a circle. Let's start with the Detroit Pistons. They're on this list. Yes, they're rebuilding, but Cade Cunningham is back. He's played two games. He's been very, very bad. It's only two games, but he's shooting 13%. What do you think? One to 10. I'm not worried about it. I feel like I think all rookies are allowed to have an adjustment process. Like, you know, look at Obi. We waited a whole year for to really see him do a lot. And then really it was the playoffs where he shined. And I think the same should apply for Kate. I think inheriting the franchise of a struggling team is never easy, considering he doesn't have a lot of great pieces, even though a few weeks ago I said he had okay pieces. You just got to give him time. I'm not concerned. I think I'd probably rate it as like a three. Yeah, I think that, that sounds right. It's been two games. I'm going to put it at a four. I think, uh, you know, rookie point guard, it's always a little bit more of an adjustment for a lot of these guys. Uh, what I'm discouraged by is, you know, Jeremy Grant, who had a really big year. He has not been as good this season. I was really bullish on Killian Hayes just hearing about, you know, all these different reporters telling me things I wanted to hear about him as a guy who could be a lead guard on a team. And he's been almost unplayable. So I would say a little higher than you just because of the fact that those guys are not performing, but I'm not too concerned about Cunningham just yet. Next team. I think we're both a little more concerned about this one than new Orleans Pelicans. Okay. So I'm probably at around an eight. I, I watched the um, game they play against the Hawks and I thought, you know, the Pelicans are going to struggle a lot this year and they will continue to struggle they seem to be playing hard for their coach. I'm impressed with Ingram, but everything else is just a situation where, like, you can't win. And I think the situation with Zion is really interesting. And they, there was a conversation about it on The Ringer about how, like, Zion really needs to get his stuff in order in order to be back on the playing field. Granted, he's injured, so that stuff needs to be figured out first. but you know, we're all assuming that Zion um, is just going to get this, going to get his bag. Right. And so as a franchise, can you really feel confident in giving him that money? If he hasn't proven that there's that commitment from him. Right. Yeah. It's I'm putting it at a 12, Chris. I think this is the biggest concern in the entire sport right now. You know, you saw Zion kind of waddling around the court, you know, TNT is making jokes. You know, Chuck is uh, talking about Zion moving around like he looks like him and Shaq had a baby. And it's just yeah. like, it's a big concern because, you know, he's so young and he's got so much I, promise and we've seen him dominate. But Chris, I don't know when he's coming back. And the, the injury he had is not a two, three, four week injury. This is the, a Jones fracture that Kevin Durant out for the entire season. Yeah. Derek Henry has that injury in football. He's probably not coming back this season in a much tougher sport, right? So it's like, if you don't have him for most of the season, let's look around to this rest of this group. Brandon Ingram's awesome. He's averaging 25 a game. Other than him, what do they really have? Devontae Graham, they gave a first-round pick for. He's a career 37% shooter. I love him because he's a Jayhawk, but to me, he's a backup point guard. He's a 37% career shooter from the floor. This year, he's shooting 37%. You know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker's another guy who I've kind of liked. He's shooting 35%. He's, you know, these are not guys, you know, with high efficiency in their track record. So I don't really know where they go from here. 
because everything seems to be going wrong and every move that David Griffin seems to have made so far has been nothing short of a disaster. Yeah, I mean, look at the whole center situation. He traded for Steven Adams and had to get rid of him. Um, it's just a really concerning situation with Pelicans, the Pelicans because admit the, all the basketball reasons why there's also been the rumors that they want to you know, relocate that franchise to another place. And so the Pelicans right now need to do a lot of soul searching. What's the real identity of this team? Are you guys building around Zion? You know, it, it, a lot could be said about the Pelicans, but right now that team is, in, is basically in shambles. And like, if they didn't have Ingram, I'd be even more worried about that. The, the panic scale would probably be at a hundred. Yeah, I mean, they're one and eight, Chris. It's the worst record in basketball. So the only person who should not be panicking about their situation is me for taking the under 39 and a half wins before the season. Good job there. That was smart. All right, moving on. Next team, the Boston Celtics. Marcus Smart called out Tatum and Brown, basically saying we got to teach them how to pass. They all had a big team meeting in Orlando. You know, their record isn't awful, but at the same time, they haven't played well. What do you think? So here's what I've always been concerned about with the Celtics. It always, the, the conversation about whether Tatum and um, Jalen Brown fit together has always been a big question mark, right? We know about the Embiid and Simmons ordeal. Now this ordeal, which, seem, which seemingly you would think that those two are together, like those who kind of like complement each other. And it, in some ways they really do, um, has fallen short this year. and you would expect this team as talented as they are would have made strides to be on a higher level in the Eastern conference are just not showing it right now. And I think a lot of it has been effort and that's like the worst thing. It's only been what eight games into the season and their concerns about effort. I think that's a big warning sign that, you know, either they don't like playing with each other. They're out just to get their numbers and there seems to be a really big disconnect between the two best players on the team and everyone else or between each other, because one of these things, you know, these things are not going right. Even though they had an impressive win against the magic, um, the magic aren't a great team, even though the Knicks also lost to them. It's just, it's really hard to put a finger on what exactly it is. But it really starts with your two best players, right? If if they're putting up numbers, but the team is still losing, you know, maybe there has to be more sacrifice. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's interesting that Marcus Smart's the one calling them out about passing when he's the point guard. He's the one who's supposed to be getting everybody involved, right? But, but the bottom the, line is... But is he the point guard, though? I, You know, Tatum, I mean, kind and, of. Tatum handles the ball a lot. Yes, yes. I mean, what they really need, they really need a real point guard. That's they, what they, they need. do. Yeah. Because Tatum and Brown are awesome two-way wings that every team in the league is always looking for a two-way wing. But the one, the thing, they're not guys who initiate offense. They're the guys who create their own shot. They're not really creating for others. And eventually you hope that those guys can learn how to do that. But that's how you become, you go from being all-star players to MVP candidates, Right. Yeah. And, you know, they're in their early 20s. It's asking a whole lot for those guys to do that at this stage of their career. And I think they just got to go find themselves a point guard. Like, can you call Cleveland when they're out of it in six months, you know, three months and see if you could steal Ricky Rubio? You know, it's just somebody who just passes the ball. You don't need some 
all-star point guard. You just need a guy who can initiate an offense. And I think that will really change everything for this team. So I'm not too worried. I think they're going to struggle for a bit, but I'm going to give it a two. I'm probably going to give it. I mean, listen, they have a lot more talent than a lot of other teams in the NBA. So I think I'm going to probably put it at a four. I think these next couple of weeks will be very telling to see whether this team is, is for real or not, but I'm happy that um, there was, there was a lot of talk about getting them on the over. I think they were at like, what, 45 wins this season. I'm glad I didn't didn't take that. I'm happy. I didn't. Yeah. I I think that's kind of where they're going to settle at. It just comes down to, you know, what does this team look like, you know, a few months from now, I don't think it's going to look completely the same. You know, the Schroeder experiment hasn't really worked so far. They gave Marcus Smart a lot of money. And so far, all he's done is not shoot well and critique the team's two best players. So we'll have to see how all that plays out. Chris, next team, you brought them up before. It's the Orlando Magic. And I want to talk about, you know, Jalen Suggs. He's only shooting 30% from the floor. They've gotten a lot more out of Cole Anthony than you thought. You saw him light it up at the Garden a few weeks ago. What do you think? So with the Magic, I think it's a mostly young roster. I think they're trying to see how those pieces are still fitting in together. And I think Suggs is like obviously going to be a big component moving forward. And with Cole, it's obviously encouraging that he's playing really well. Um, But the team, if the team is being led by Cole Anthony, I'm not sure if that is a signal for success necessarily. No disrespect to Cole Anthony, obviously. It's just that this team has a lot of holes, and right now I don't see them being addressed. And moving forward, I think the Orlando – What Mad- are those holes? Just so, like, like obviously they have a lot of young players, but, like, nothing well, seems start, to be going well. Let's, let's start with leadership, and let's start with, like, they have a lot of nice young pieces, right? You have, like, the Wendell Carters. You have, obviously, the two guys we just mentioned. And just, like, figuring out um, – you know, how to navigate, you know, the, the ins and outs of the NBA. That's why you're, that's why it's so encouraging to see Cole Anthony playing well, but we need the other players to step up as well. So the expectations for the Magic weren't that high to begin with, so my panic level isn't going to be really high. This is what we expected to happen, so I'm probably going to go at a four or five, I think. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go with a four. I think, you know, Suggs needs to play better for this team to have, you know, total confidence going into the year. But at the end of the day, this is a group that's playing for ping pong balls. If you tell me, you know, Cole Anthony joins Suggs and Isaac as, you know, players of the future here, I think that's a bonus considering the year they had. So I'm going to give it a four. Obviously, there's a lot of work to be done. This is a team that is in the early stages of a rebuild, obviously. So you hope you hope you just find some pieces. They have some interesting guys, you know, guys we all like. I like Wendell Carter. Uh, I'm just not sure which of these guys is, is the keeper. And there's really no reason to panic because you're trying to figure those things out this year. It kind of reminds me of that Knicks team from a few years ago where we had Kevin Knox in the starting lineup, Alonzo Trier, kind of just like throwing all these young guys you have. Yeah, let's, out hope, there. let's hope it works out for Orlando a little no, bit. No, obviously. Those Knicks. But like obviously. last year, this was a group that wouldn't play the young players. They were starting Michael Carter-Williams, you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they were like, all right, let's get rid of the coach. Let's trade all of our starters, Fournier, Vucevic, Gordon. They're all gone. And now they're basically, by default, they're starting all these young players. And I think that's the right way to go. Right. And I, and I do recognize that with, with, with the comparison. 
Um, clearly it didn't go well for us, but that eventually helped us land RJ Barrett. Um, and I think the magic, you know, they're a really young roster and it just kind of is part of the growing pains. Yeah, totally agree. All right. Last team on our panic list here, the Los Angeles Lakers. They've been very up and down injuries and then Russell Westbrook with his uh, quadruple double. What's your panic scale here? I think I'm going to go with a seven here mostly because this is a team with championship expectations and a lot of the concerns that that were talked about heading into the season like you know whether they have enough shooting whether Russ could fit with LeBron and AD um, these are all concerns that we we're seeing play out right now right and like you know Anthony Davis isn't hasn't been as sharp on defense like he usually is and I think that if you're a team like the Lakers, it's still really early, though, and they obviously will find a way to um, make things better. And who knows, maybe the Lakers roster isn't completely done right now. Um, but LeBron James is going to miss a week with, I believe, an abdominal strain. Um, so it'll be really telling these next few games to see how Russ and AD have like begin to figure it out. Because I think as the season goes along, LeBron's only going to play less not more less, yeah. less, less in the sense of like, he's going to miss games because, you know, he's an older player. So it'll be really important for Russ and AD to really get that, like, you know, camaraderie going on the, on, on the court, I think. So for me, the panic skills is, is what I said. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not too concerned. I'm going to put it at a five. We've seen Russell Westbrook kind of do this in all the stops. And then the team kind of figures out how to play with him as the year goes on, right? Um, and this is a team with championship aspirations where if this isn't working, I can see them saying to Russ, okay, you're going to be our sixth man. And that might hurt his confidence. That might hurt, make him angry, but he'll be the, a heck of a sixth man if they put him in that role. I don't think they're, that's last case resort, right? But I'm thinking there's, there are options here if this continues to not work with the three of them. And if you look at it right now, it's kind of surprising where all three of them are averaging more shot attempts than they did last year. And you kind of thought they'd have to, you know, do a, do a little less. But really, all the only people who are being hurt by this are the role guys. And the role guys are a lot different than they were last year. KCP is gone. Kuzma is gone. Caruso is gone. So it's a, it's a new supporting cast. And how that supporting cast improves as the year goes on is going to be really key because if they do – great and if they don't they're going to be replaced but, by, with buyout guys but who are those supporting guys that need to step up in your view because i don't see malik monk really having a big role on this team i don't see deandre jordan either like those two guys seem like two guys are will probably be out of that lakers roster before the year ends yeah i mean it starts to me with horton tucker who you know i believe in they believe in you know they kind of picked him over caruso to pay money to they gave him a pretty sizable contract. I, it was a smaller contract than I thought he was going to get, but he still got a pretty big bag. It comes down to can he become a, a reliable role player for this team? Really the only young player that they've developed left on this group, right? And then I'm not, I'm not done with Malik Monk. He had pretty good second half in Charlotte. I, don't, I mean, I think he's a spot-up shooter who can help, and I wouldn't put him in the DeAndre Jordan category because, you know, he's like 25. And he's shown flashes of being a very good starting two guard. So I think like 
I don't see why he couldn't be KCP at the very a least. Starting point guard, a starting short, starting guard for the for the Lakers right now in, on this current roster. Well, he is, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm not asking him to put up starting two guard numbers. I'm asking him to listen, be a, a solid seventh guy on the roster, which I think I he just can. think with a with a with with someone like Malik Monk, he's so short that I, he's not a KCP though. You know, because KCP it was at least a wing defender and a three point shooter. Malik Monk right. is a, at times a good three point shooter, but then I don't know. I don't think you can. I mean, be a, Monk's issue right now is he's not hitting shots. I mean, he's he's shooting 36 percent from the floor you know, for the year, which, you know, again, it's a short sample size, eight games, right? But, like, they need more out of him. They need more out of Horton Tucker. And then most likely they're going to be looking at the buyout market and the trade market for for more help. Yeah. I mean, they need a lot of help, but, yeah. And we, we, we see, we've also seen flashes from Carmelo, who uh, keeps oh, reminding us. Carmelo has around. been amazing. Amazing. That, I, I can't believe I forgot about him. But, yes, Carmelo Anthony has been, like, he has been a godsend for that Lakers team. He's shooting 52% from the floor, back up to 16 and a half points per game. It's pretty cool to see. I'm hoping that continues and he gets that ring. And potentially a sixth man of the year award. That would be uh that would be pretty, pretty cool for sure. I would remember uh, last remember you last, last year. I thought that was the dumbest pick you've ever made. And you might be right a year later. But uh that that was really awesome. Really happy to see that. Uh that is our panic panic teams right there. We'll do that again in a month or so. But, uh, Chris, let's get to our final thoughts right after this. Okay, Chris, final thoughts time. Your Miami Heat are crushing a number one seed in the East right now. What's what's going right here? My Miami Heat? <laughs> you wanted to bring um, them up. Well, the Heat, the Heat to me have just, like, figured right now seem like a fine-tuned machine at, you know, what, eight? seven games into the season they've not only played great on defense so far they're one of the best defensive teams in the nba but they're really figuring it out on offense and i think having a real point guard like like kyle lowry just helps like you know you know say what you want about the the the, this 35 year old or however old he is but he has been really helping with the pace with this team and i think that you know for them to look so good so early, I think if you're a, a team in the East, you should be scared. I think if you're the Bucks, you should be scared. I think if you're the Nets, you should be scared. I think if you're the Knicks, you should be scared. I think the Heat just have, you know, with also with the emergence of Kyler here, I mean, of Tyler Hero again, emergence, right? Like he's, he's has seemed to found his footing. Um, and now he's added some playmaking to his to his repertoire. And I think moving forward, I think this is like that was the best way for him to develop and become a vital piece to this heat roster. And yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And nothing. I just think that, you know, as a Heat fan, you probably feel a little bit of vindication for staying loyal to him instead of trading him like you could have. Um, yeah. And you know, Tyler Hero is a guy who before the season said like. I put myself in the class of Luka Doncic and Trey Young, and we all kind of laughed. Well, he's averaging the same number of points per game as those two guys right now, which is kind of insane to think about, right? And you brought up Kyle Lowry, who, you know, has been a great point guard for this team, averaging seven assists a game, but his points have just not been there. So the fact think, is, like – But I don't But I don't think you need points for him, really. I think you, you, you need the defense, you need him to set up your offense – 
and right and that's it but i'm saying like you're gonna get more out of him to me as the year goes on so oh, this heat yeah, team could yeah. actually get even better than it's been so far he's only averaging 10 points a game like i don't see that staying like that the whole year so this heat team could actually improve as the year goes on jimmy butler ben out of bio we didn't even mention them you know, two all-star players, Duncan Robinson got paid. This this team is pretty loaded. And by the way, you have the best coach in the NBA. So I don't see why this team can't win the number one seed. That's not meaning that they're their number one team in the East, but you know, the Heat have never taken a day off in, you know, as long as I've seen them play. So I think this is a, a group that could very well take that number one seed and uh, really make another long, long run in the NBA playoffs. I don't think it's just a long run. I think this team could be, depending on how the next few months go, I think this is an NBA contender. I mean, I, you could argue the Bucks have looked sluggish, but, you know, they've had injured players to start. Um, the Nets, you know, will Kevin Durant be healthy for the rest of the season? Who knows? Um, James Harden is another question mark. Kyrie Irving is an even bigger question mark. The Knicks are figuring it out. Like, I don't know. I feel like Miami is like a very, you know, tempting team to put money on to win the championship. Yeah, it's it's certainly interesting there, right? And, you know, they still have future picks going on, so they could actually make another move at the deadline and bring in more help as well. Uh, last story here, you know, obviously there's, there's more talk about what's going to happen with Robert Sarver, the ESPN allegations, uh, you know, sexist and racist remarks that he's been doing for the last 17 years. And, you know, we've heard stuff like this before about that organization, but never to this degree, never in this much detail. How do you see this playing out, Chris? Well, the first thing, you know, the NBA has to get involved and obviously they'll launch their own independent investigation, A. And then B, I see, it's just tough. I think to compare it with the uh, the, uh, Clipper situation, it's, it's it, it it's just, it's like the same shade, right? Like I, you know, obviously the owner in that situation was caught on on audio on audio, and now there's you know what dozens of people, you know, making these allegations against Robert Sarver. So it's pretty damning, you know. Even if it's just one person, it's too many. And so, you know, I read some of the report today, and it was just like so disheartening to see so many employees come out against the your boss, right? I'm curious to see what you know leaders like Chris Paul and Devin Booker do, but you know they're in a very tough spot, right? With 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 someone like that in in obviously taking the reins. Like I think eventually, if the NBA, I mean hopefully they, they do their due diligence, um, you know, maybe they'll remove him. I think that's, that's, that makes the most sense if, if he's in fact guilty of all these things, you know, but 70 people coming out, that's pretty damning. So. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point there. And, you know, in these stories, they would talk to somebody, right. They would give them the story and then they talk to somebody else and they would give them a very similar or the same story. So it's like, it seems like this definitely happened to some degree. And I think if there was that audio component as there was last time, he would be gone for sure. I think it, you know, the way it works here is it's just so hard to remove an NBA owner that they're going to have to find proof. They're going to have to find definitive email proof, video proof, some kind of proof to get him out of there. But um, 
either way, I, I hope everybody in that Suns organization feels a little better knowing that their story was told today and that I hope uh, things improve in that organization going forward because there's just no place for that in, in this amazing basketball league for sure, for one. And two, you know, it's 2021. It's, it's time to get all these clowns out of here who are doing stuff like that, you know? Then, I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised it really took this long for a story like that to come to, to come to the surface. I mean, you know, how many people have been in power in that organization that just could not speak out or who still can't speak out. There's a lot of people who who still can't can't speak out. Right. Like anyway, I hope the resolution comes sooner, faster than later. You wonder how that impacts the morale of the organization, the team and, and all those things Um, to have your leader really be like, you know, in the middle of all these allegations and like, you know, who's a sexist and a racist, like, you know. Yeah, the whole thing was just shocking. And, you know, it was from a funnier point of view from that story, it was crazy to see him go into that locker room, right, and try to draw plays. And they're like, we can't do a pick and roll in the paint. That's not how three seconds work. And like having him try to actually coach the team was 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 funny to me and what was a very dark story, obviously. So you're hoping that everything works out the way it's supposed to from this, if it is true. And that the Suns can find a better leadership going forward. And, you know, maybe it's a sign because I'm sure he's not the only one in professional sports to be doing stuff like this. And I'm hoping other people read the story and be like, wow, I, I might have been guilty of one or two of these kind of similar situations. I'm going to, you know, get my act in order. And I'm hoping it's a sign for a lot of people who have done similar things to say, okay, it's time to, to grow up and, and get with the times. Yeah, I agree, Steve. On a All lighter, right, well, on a lighter yeah, note, um, the Knicks play the Bucks on Friday, and the Knicks, uh, some of the players have been talking about how the Bucks model of how they built their championship team is something how they want to emulate. And I just want to say that I like the way the Knicks are thinking about, you know, raising their expectations and like, you know, I I think everyone loves the way the Bucks did it, right? Like, sure. You know, Giannis didn't really like play with two superstars, even though Drew Holiday and Middleton are stars. But that being said, like, you know, I love that the Knicks are, you know, already like setting the bar high. And I like that. Yeah. And uh, I think the Knicks can get there too someday, especially if they're able to uh, pry Giannis away from the Bucks for nothing. So that's going to do it for us here on the All Hoops podcast. Chris, thank you for joining me as always. Always a great time you, talking buddy. basketball with you. Remember to follow us on our brand new YouTube channel. Subscribe. We're going to have plenty more content coming as the season goes along. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know where to go. I'm going to be back next week to talk more NBA basketball. Bye, everyone.